I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online around the world church service. I am so happy that you are here. And I believe today that as you join with me in the study of God's word, solutions and creative ideas are going to come to you to overcome every situation that you face in life. Praise God. It is God's desire for you to be in a place of victory, a place of success, a place of wholeness, well-being in every part of your life. Now, our lives have different aspects, different chambers, different facets. Praise the Lord. The Lord wants you moving forward in every area, and His Word is going to help you do that today. Praise the Lord. Now, we're going to receive the holy tithes and offerings in just a moment. I want to first give you a scripture. And we're going to bring them into the storehouse of God. We're going to honor the Lord with our finances. But my friends, we're coming very swiftly upon a new year. It'll be here in just a few weeks. It'll be here in just a few days. And I want you to prepare with some strategic planning, something special that I want you to plan strategically concerning the new year. I'm going to ask you to do something very spiritual. Wow. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephen, what is that? Are you going to uh, give me a strategy of how much I should pray in the next year? Pastor Stephen, are you going to maybe encourage me the fast for 300 days next year? No, not really. But I am going to ask you to do something spiritual. I want you to sit down in your alone time with the Lord, and I want you to think about how much money you want to make next year. I told you I want you to do something spiritual. I want you to think about how much money you want to make next year. Praise God. Money is a wonderful thing. Your Bible and my Bible, too, they were all printed because money was exchanged for this job. So because of money, we have Bibles. Because of money, we have hospitals. Because of money, we have clothes. Because of money, we have the ability to have a camera and lights and an internet studio. Because of money, we can build hospitals, send missionaries. We, we can support the work of God's kingdom. And I want you to sit down and think about how much money you want to make in this new year that you're about to enter into. Now, some of you have heard me say this statement that I'm about to make. You've heard me say it before. It is biblically based, and I'm about to say it again. But for those of you that have never heard it, I would encourage you maybe to find a chair and sit down. Because when I first heard it, when it, when it hit me with the revelation by the Holy Spirit, I almost fell out of the chair that I was sitting in. Are you ready for this? Here it is. God does not decide how much money you make. You decide. Woo! Let that go deep into your spirit because you're about to go into a new year. I want you to think about how much money you want to make in this new year that you're going to step into. God does not decide how much money you make. That decision is solely 
up to you and your choosing. Praise God. Now, I already know what some of you are thinking that have not yet quite got a good grasp on that biblical, truthful statement that I just made. Some of you are thinking, but Pastor Stephen, I can already tell you how much I'm going to make next year because I work a job where either I'm on salary or I'm on a hourly wage and I know how many hours I work each week. Let's say it's 40 hours and I can take that 40 and I can multiply it times four because there's four weeks in the month and that, that tells me how much I make a month and then I can multiply that times 12 because there's 12 months in a year and Pastor Stephen I, I can already tell you how much money I'm going to make next year because I can just work it out on paper so it's already predetermined well let me ask you this question who decided that you could only have one stream of income hmm was that God that told you you can only have one stream of income? That's your eight to five job or nine to five or whatever that would be. No, God didn't decide that for you. That could have been a decision that you made sometime years ago. And you just thought, well, this is what I uh, am choosing to do. And perhaps you never knew that there were other options and that God would actually like for you to have other streams of income more than just one. Well, Pastor Stephen, what is going to decide for me how much money I'm going to make next year? Your decisions, because it is your decisions that you make, not what God makes. The decisions that you make are what decides your wealth. Mm, praise the Lord. Now, for example, your decision to tithe. God said in his word, Old Testament and carrying right through the cross into the New Testament, or what we know as the New Covenant, ratified by the shed blood of Christ, tithing carries over into the, into the New, and God says for, the, for His people, the tithe, not, not this thing around my neck, this is a T-I-E, okay? Pastor Stephen, I'm going to send you a tithe. I'm, I'm going to send you a tithe. <laughs> I've already got a lot of tithes. I don't need any more tithes, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise God. But the Lord said, not the tithe, but the tithe belongs to him. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I'm going to send God a new tithe. Well, he, he's in the, in the spiritual realm. You're not going to be able to get that over to him. But the tithe belongs to him. And when you bring the tithe, which is 10% of your gross income, when you bring the tithe into the storehouse of God, you honor the Lord with your finances, and the Lord says 10% of all that you earn or all that comes into, uh, into your life, whether it's an inheritance or you get a financial blessing at work, an extra blessing or something like that, 10%, the tithe, T-I-T-H-E, not T-I-E, okay? The tithe, God said, belongs to me, and if you do that, the Lord says, I'll bless your 90%, I'll protect you, I'll, I'll bless every facet of your life. But that's a decision. That you make. And a believer has to make that decision. And it's your decisions that decide your wealth, that decide your level of prosperity. Praise God. Your decision to learn the difference between what's an asset and what's a liability. Pastor Stephen, I just bought a new vehicle. Praise the Lord. Yes, I praise the Lord with you. But you have to, under, you have to understand vehicles 
with a few rare exceptions, vehicles are not an asset. They're a liability. The moment you drive them off the lot, even when they're brand new and shiny and beautiful, the moment you, drop, you drive them off the lot, they start depreciating. You have to learn the difference between an asset and a liability. Praise God. Your decision, your decision, not God's, your decision to have a no account. Pastor Stephen, what in the world is a no account? It's just that simple. An account for every time you say no, N-O, to something that you would like to have, but really, you don't need it. Maybe you already have 20 of them. Well, I want another one. Well, you've already got plenty. How about a no account that will reward you for saying no? And every time you say no, you take the money that you would have spent on that item, and instead of spending it, you take that money and you put it into your no account. Pastor Stephen, I got a $2,000 bonus at work. I'm so happy. I'm going to go down to the mall and I'm going to buy that luxury purse. It's a $2,000 purse and I've always wanted it. And anybody, anybody sees me wearing that purse, all the ladies out there know that fashion brand. And I've, I'm really styling with that purse. Well, what if instead of spending $2,000 on the purse to impress other people, that instead you bought maybe a $300 purse that still made you happy and still had the same build quality, okay? And then you take the $1,700 that are left over and you put that in your no account. Who praise the Lord. Suddenly, suddenly you're moving from liabilities, things that do not increase your financial wealth or worth at all. And now you're moving over into assets. Praise the Lord. And that can begin to grow. You know, I really do believe that anyone who is willing to say no and discipline themselves, that by the end of the next year, anybody could probably have at least five to $10,000 sitting in a no account. Oh, now, Pastor Stephen, now, now that, that's not going to work for poor people. It'll work for anybody. I could prove it to you. If you came to visit me here in the county that I live in, in the state of North Carolina, Wilkes County, you could, take any, you could pick any area of Wilkes County, Bravian Falls or any other place, and I could drive you around, and I could show you some really low-income homes, some of the lowest income earning homes in not just the state, the nation, and I can drive you around. Oh, but what's that thing sitting there in the back? Even if they have an apartment or, or home, even if it's an old rundown home, junky old home, they hardly have any money. What's that thing sitting in back there in the back, back behind their house? I've never, and I'll be honest, I've never seen anything like it. You could drive all through this county. You could see people that are well-to-do, maybe middle class. You could go amongst the poor people, but it doesn't matter how poor they are. There it is, sitting in the backyard, a trampoline. And I, I, I don't know what's up with trampolines where people that don't have a lot of money somehow think that if you have a trampoline, 
you have reached the status of extreme wealth where all of your neighbors will envy you and they'll look in your backyard and see your kids bouncing up and down on the $800 trampoline and they'll think, I'll tell you what, that family has arrived. That is the family right there that I want to emulate. They've got a trampoline. It's crazy, crazy stuff sometimes people do with their money. Now, what if the father, instead of buying the trampoline, would have said to that idea to do that, would have said, no, would be fun for my kids, but at the same time, they could break their neck on it. I'll, I'll do something else so they can have an outlet for recreation and exercise. And instead, I'm going to take that $800, I'm going to put it in my no account. And at the end of the year, when my no account has built up, I'm going to take all of that money. I'm going to use to start my own business on the side while I keep working my full-time 40-hour-a-week job. I'm going to start an Internet business, and I'm going to start selling this product online. Woo! Praise the Lord. Hey, maybe he wants to start a trampoline company. We can sell it. Ship them. Let somebody else buy them and jump on them and, uh, you know, and, and, and do all that stuff. Ever notice that most of the time they're sitting in the backyard, not being used, mm -mm. but we have to have it. We have to have this. We have to have that. And people just can't say no. And if the, even if the poor, even if the, this will work for anybody, even if the poor said no to beer and to cigarettes and to buying lottery tickets, I'm telling you, it adds up $5,000, $10,000 at the end of the year for anybody if you say no to all of these online streaming services. Oh, Pastor Stephen, I got to have the latest, latest movies. I got to download them. Oh, and, and defile your spirit with all the junk that's in most of them, and you're paying $40 to download that and to download that. Just all of that starts adding up, adding up. Adding up, but my friends, the Lord, whoo, he wants to help you with your decisions. Mm -hmm. And I believe that this new year that you're going to come into, the Lord wants you to go into that year having a number in your heart that you want to reach concerning the income that you bring in. Praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. It's going to mean that you're going to be able to give the largest tithes you've ever have paid before. You're going to be able to have extra for offerings. And of course, your standard of living is going to go up. Your freedom and flexibility is going to be increased and expanded. But you need to talk it over with the Lord. Because God does not decide how much money you're going to make next year. You do. And you need to really sit down and have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with him. And if you are on a single stream of income and you realize that's all that's going to bring in and you thank God for it and that's good. Well, then you need to talk to the Lord. Lord, I, I'm going to need another vehicle, another uh, wealth vehicle that I can somehow drive around. I'm not talking about a, a car. I'm talking about something that creates money. Then you're going to, have to talk to the Lord about that and say, Lord, now, now this is what I'd like to make. But, Lord, I'm going to need some extra help. I'm going to have to start something on the side or do something. But I'm just telling you, uh, these are things that God's not deciding. They're your decisions. Praise the Lord. And you're only limited by your decisions and how you govern and rule and control your life and the exercise of your faith. Praise the Lord. We talked about this verse just last week. Let me read it to you. Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. Jesus, when he's referring to the two blind men, then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. I mean, you, you know, he's got the anointing. 
He's filled with the Spirit without measure. So he has the power and the anointing to heal. But he's going to need you to use your faith in cooperation with that anointing so that there can be that release of power. So it's so much of it is according to your faith. What do you have faith for? An increase of 30% in your income? Uh, faith, perhaps double what you brought in this year so that next year you could pull in double? Well, uh, work with God in this area of your faith and your belief. And also, if you realize there's not the infrastructure in your life to bring in more increase, ask God, Lord, what can I do? Lord, what, what can be done? And a lot will start with that no account. Mm -mm. Just doing that, things start to add up. You can be into the uh, a thousand, a couple thousands before you know it. I've never seen such uh, crazy spending sometimes as I see people in the body of Christ do on things. They buy it and then they'll just put it away and maybe use it once and maybe use it once a year. And that's it. And if they would just would have said no, they never would have even have missed it. And they would have had that money instead somewhere they could use and not just sometimes keep it in that a no account, but move it from that a no account over into an investment. Mm, ooh, that's a different topic right there. But please don't ever forget the story that Jesus told about the talents. Various men, three different men getting different levels of talents. One got uh, one talent, the other got five, the other got ten. You have to understand in today's currency, a talent and I'm not over-exaggerating. You can do the, you could run the numbers on your calculator. You can pull up uh, what a fair day's wage was and multiply it by the, the Roman standard that brought you up to what a talent was. And when these talents are being given out, a talent in today's money is worth $2 million. So the question is, is if you're using good discipline and you're making good decisions, and then suddenly the Lord sees that and he releases, let's say, a talent into your life. Could you increase that? Because the Lord's going to expect you to. And remember, in context, the statement, well done, good and faithful servant, is to the one who was faithful in finances. Mm -mm. Using good stewardship over the finances that the Lord had entrusted him with to where he's not only maintaining it, he, he's increasing it. Doubling in it, increasing it multiple times over. Woo, praise the Lord. I believe it's going to be a very, very exciting year that you very soon will be stepping into. Please, in your quiet devotional time with the Lord, talk to the Lord about how much money. Yes, please do something very spiritual. Talk to the Lord about how much money you want to earn, you want to bring in. Next year, praise God. And then just use your faith for it. Use your faith, praise God. Now, Heavenly Father, I pray for your people that they will have a good heart-to-heart -heart talk with you, and they will stay within their faith comfort level to step up to that next phase that you have for them, and that it will be the best money year that they've ever had since they have been on this planet. Now, Father, we give you the praise and the glory. We thank you that as we honor you with the tithe, and with offerings that you are moving us forward into new dimensions of blessing so that we can be a greater blessing. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.
Woo! Praise the Lord. And, and my friends, God will meet you at your faith. But go higher. Don't just stay at the same level year after year after year. It doesn't take any faith to do that. Believe God to bring another stream, multiple streams uh, flowing into your life. Glory to God. Now, those of you that prefer to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code here is 28654. If you prefer to bring in your tithe, your offering, Online, You can do so from anywhere in the world. You can do it day or night. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There on the homepage is a link. It's, it's a red-shaped box and has a heart on it, and it says give. And you can click on that and bring your tithes and your offerings directly into the ministry storehouse. Praise God. Now, if you would like to sow extra seed, a special Offering seed, we have two projects, and the projects is listed just beneath the giving box. You can click on that, and you can see the current projects that we're working on. One, of course, which is always ongoing, which is the ever-increasing television ministry that we have to take the gospel to all the world. And that includes the purchase of airtime, and the other project is the aircraft hangar. Praise the Lord. So take your pick, sow some seed, and the Lord will bless your seed. Praise God, and He'll increase it, multiply blessing back into your life, financial increase in strength. Praise the Lord. Father, bless your people. Take them into a wealth year, the greatest year they've ever had financially. We thank you in Jesus' name. We pray, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Now today, let's take our Bibles and go over to the Gospel of John. And I trust that today we can solve what for many in the body of Christ has been a mystery of why their faith in certain areas has not had the fruit that they're longing to see. Mm-mm. This is a very fascinating topic that we're going to cover today. This, the topic titled today's message is, Did I Not Say to You? We are going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that as we jump into your word with expectancy, that you would meet us with fresh anointing upon your word today, and that we can consume your word as spiritual food and draw strength from it. Thank you, Father. Illuminate the eyes of our understanding by your Holy Spirit. And let us work with your principles that you have established in the earth for our benefit, our betterment, and our blessing. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all agree and say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, let me say this. We live today in a time within the church where it's very popular for prophets, preachers, Pastors, um, believers, to go around proclaiming, this is what God said to me. And it's become so frivolous, and it's become so lighthearted that a person can go into their prayer closet, and seven minutes they come out, and they say, God has spoken to me again. I'm like, 
wild. He seems to be talking to you. What do you got it in there? Like a red phone in there. It reaches all the way up to heaven. Every time they come out, I've heard from God. I've got another word. I've got another word. God has now said this. And God has not given prophets to lead the body of Christ. Prophets are to confirm what God already speaks to you. Praise the Lord. Prophets, the prophetic ministry and the pro prophetic word is primarily for edification, exhortation, and comfort. But prophets are not meant to go around leading people. Now God says do this. Now we're all supposed to do that. And I see, I see it being done uh, in a way where it, it's watering down the great effect of the, the great ability of God's word. And it's causing many people to get stuck in like a spiritual quagmire. And uh, nothing's happening in their life. Just uh, life just continues rolling on and they hear all this stuff. Nothing's really changing. Well, I believe today we can get to some of these root causes because there are believers who've been in the church 15 years, five years. Oh, Lord have mercy, 40 years. And maybe they know some natural laws and maybe they know some spiritual laws. But if you don't understand laws that govern faith, then you can do certain things thinking it's going to work, excited about it, but it doesn't work because you're violating a law that you're not aware of. And that law, if it's, if it's being disobeyed, it's not going to work no matter how much you want it to, nor no matter how much you think you have a right for God to perform it. Mm, thank you, Jesus. So there are laws of faith, and we're going to discuss one of these laws today. Let me start by saying this. I was in an outdoor type store the other day with my wife. And when I say outdoor, it's an indoor store, of course. We're walking around the inside, but they sell products that you would enjoy in the outdoors. They sell kayaks and uh, fun stuff, you know, camping stuff, hiking stuff, and all of that, you know, uh, hiking shoes and backpacks and, you know, cool stuff like that. So they had a section for caps, baseball hats that you could wear on your head. And I saw one cap. It, 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 was, it's, it was funny. It made me laugh. It's a, it's a funny cap. And it had an image of Bigfoot, uh, you know, right here on the front of the cap. You know, Bigfoot, the, you know, the, the, um, the mythical creature that uh, exists, but nobody's ever seen him or caught him on film or uh, no conclusive proof, of course. But he's this big uh, humanoid, ape-like creature that's supposed to be walking around and, uh, you know, playing tricks on people when they camp out in the deep woods. Anyhow, the hat had a picture of Bigfoot on it, like a silhouette of Bigfoot, and next to it, the word, believe. <laughs> <laughs> I have one thing to say to that. No, I'm not going to believe. Why not, Pastor Stephen? Uh, I mean, it seems like people are giving all kinds of stories who've seen him. I don't believe it. I, I just, you know what? I just don't believe in Bigfoot. And I know he's even had shows. Uh, uh, there was one show, I can't remember what network it was on, but they had a new show every week and they had the so-called Bigfoot hunters and the experts. And to be honest, they all looked like a bunch of kooks. They looked like a bunch of weirdos that not only probably believed in Bigfoot, but probably all, all, also believed in all kinds of other bizarre, weird things that are on the fringe of what we would call society's acceptable limits. 
So, no, I, I can't believe. Why? There's no word in here that tells me anything about Bigfoot. Oh, well, Pastor Stephen, maybe it's in there somewhere. Well, you know, I, I just, uh, I'm not interested in it. And unless I've got supportive evidence, which is a word, I can't, I can't believe that. I can't believe it. Praise the Lord. So, that's why some Christians get in trouble. They say, I'm believing. Well, believing what? Well, I don't know. I, I, I'm just believing. Well, you, you have to believe something. Uh, and if you do believe something, such as Bigfoot, you need Scripture. And if you don't have Scripture... Your faith cannot go beyond the Word of God. Mm. Now, in your mind, you can play these games like, I think it's real. I, I, I think he's over there behind that tree, Pastor Stephen. Well, you just go ahead and keep on thinking that because that's just wishing, hopeful wishing. And there is a biblical wishing, which is heart's desires. But this other stuff comes out of the soulish area, and it leads to, are you ready for it? Disappointment, disillusionment. Because it didn't happen. Yep. We're going to talk today about some of these laws of faith. Mm -mm. Now, John chapter 11, the amazing story of Lazarus being raised from the dead. And the Lord really having to go upstream against a major downstream current. And you'll read a lot, not a lot, but several times where Jesus groaned and he sighed and he wept. Oh, Pastor Stephen, Jesus wept because he loved Lazarus so much. He wept. Well, you have to understand the fuller expression of what's going on with this heavy groaning and deep sighing because those of the inner circle, Mary and Martha, the sisters who were very close to the Lord and their brother has died. Jesus is surrounded by some of his closest friends and they don't believe in him. They believe, oh yes, prophet. Yes, miracle worker. Yes, but in this area, no, no, they, 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 uh, they're, they're, there's a there's a break in the chain right here. And so the Lord is carrying this, this, this work that the Lord, that God wants to do through him. He's walking it solo. He's walking it solo. And he's seen everybody break down around him that he's taught. And he's, he's, he's taught about, you know, you know, basically believe in me and uh, put, put your trust in, in the, in the son of God, put your trust in, in the word of God. And he's seen complete failure all around him. Everybody's weeping and think they think it's all over and stuff like that. And he's already told them what he's going to do. He's already told them what he's going to do. And this, this thing of no support and also seeing all of that teaching and all of that labor it didn't, it didn't produce what he was wanting it to produce. It, it was very, very difficult. So he's going upstream while everybody else is going downstream. Well, you know, well, you know, he, he could open the blinded eyes. Uh, yeah, we had a lot of hope in him, but this, this is way beyond his league. No, no, nobody can touch this. Only God can touch this. And on and on it went. Pe people weeping and bawling, squalling and stuff like that. And so that's why all of that groaning is taking place. And sometimes just outright sighs. Oh, why? Nobody believes. 
Nobody believes. It's very disappointing when you sow in the people and teach people and prep people and prepare people. Here's, here's the answer to the test. Now get ready. The test is coming. They take the test and they fail the test. So it, it's very, very tough. Pastor Stephen, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Yes, because of just the phenomenal disappointment that they just didn't get it. They did not catch the revelation nor hold on to it, especially during the time of testing. Praise the Lord. I mean, if you were walking over to somebody's house and you saw their wallet laying outside by the door, and they're, you know, all kinds of money in their wallet and all their credit cards are in there, driver's license and all kinds of valuable stuff. And you see it and you pick it up and you take it in, but you don't say anything because you're, you're going to share with them that you have already found their wallet. And you see them there crying as you go inside. Oh, they're weeping. Oh, come in. Please come in. Oh, you wouldn't believe what happened to me. I lost all my money. I lost my wallet. lost everything. And, you know, and just, and everybody else, they, they, they have heard the news too. They're all weeping and crying. Oh, he's lost it all. He's lost all of the cash he had in his wallet. Oh, and everybody's weeping and crying. And, you know, would you be weeping and crying along with them when you got it in your hand? No, you'd be like, look, all of y'all stop crying. Look, I found the wallet. So Jesus already knows he's, what he's going to do. He's not, in a sense, weeping because this is so tragic. Well, he already knows he's going to raise him from the dead. The weeping in a larger picture is the tremendous difficulty of trying to get the truth over the people and to get them to believe. Oh, it's the, it's the challenge. That any minister faces today when you're ministering God's word to people to get them to believe it when it really needs to be believed when it really counts. Praise God. Now, we really get into the main thrust of one of the laws of faith that has three parts to it. But if you can learn this law of faith, it's going to answer some questions for you and it's going to help you to start moving very quickly. Very, very quickly, I would say all around the bases, like baseball, all around the bases uh, to home plate, praise God, where you can finally score. Glory to God. Mm -mm. Now, verse 39, Jesus said, take away the stone. He already knows what he's going to do. This is not some kind of spontaneous on the moment type thing. He already knows what he's going to do. Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you? Stop there just for a moment. Did I not say to you? First law of faith. Woo, you have to understand it. And this is the first step to one of the most elementary, fundamental laws of faith. Step number one, did I not say to you? Now, that statement that he makes can come through different formats. It could come through the anointed word. It could come by Perhaps the Holy Spirit allowing you to have a vision 
And in that vision, maybe even the Lord himself comes and shares a promise with you. In other words, did I not say it? So say unto you, so he says something to you and tells you, you know, this, I'm going to do this for you. Or maybe God sends an angel and in a vision, you see an angel come and the angel says, I have been sent from heaven with this message to give to you. And he tells you the message. Okay. So did I not say unto you, you come through different ways, the word, a visitation, an angel, the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. That's very, very strong. And you've picked up on that and you know that God's in this. Mm -mm. Maybe through a prophecy given by a, a great prophet and you knew that was God. God was all over that prophecy. Did I not say to you mm -mm. that my friends is where it all begins and it's extremely important. You cannot get into the laws of faith without first getting into that first step. Did I not say to you? Thank you, Jesus. Step number two. Are you ready for it? What was it that he said? Did I not say to you? Say what? What was it? Did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? Well, what was it that he had said? We see it in verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, in other words, heard about Lazarus. He said, this sickness is not unto death. This sickness is not unto death. Okay, so did I not say to you, say what? What did he say that we're supposed to believe? He told you already there in verse 4. He told you. And then you realize in life, oh, he really meant that. Well, now let me say something. Let me say something. This, this may challenge some of you theologically. You can have Christ, the Messiah, Jesus himself, appear to you in a vision. I've had it happen to me before. And in a vision, the Lord can tell you something that he's going to do for you. In other words, he's giving you a promise. Now, having said that, let me challenge you theologically. Even though the Lord can come to you in a vision, in a face-to-face -face encounter, and say something to you, don't think that now you're exempted from having to use your faith. Oh, well, I, I had Jesus tell that to me in a vision, so it's going to happen no matter what. Hey, Jesus told them what he was going to do. He told them in person, in flesh, in blood, what he's going to do. But he still he still is going to need some cooperation on your behalf in order to see this thing come to pass. And if you doubt him, if, if you don't hold to that word, uh, there's another side of him I hope you don't have to meet. <laughs> well, not an angry side where he, you know, uh, uh, hits you with a hammer or, you know, takes the Bible and throws it at you and gets all mad. But there is another side of him where he's very, very serious about you believing what he said. And you'll see that, if I'm correct, I believe it's the Gospel of Mark, where after he was resurrected from the dead, and he's already ascended to heaven, and the, the, uh, the apostles, they have gathered together in a room, and they're all in the room afraid, hiding, and so forth. And Jesus walks to the wall and comes into the middle of the room, and it says he rebuked them because of their unbelief. 
Oh, Pastor Stephen, that wasn't nice of Jesus to do that. Surely he understood what all that they had gone through, the, the, the traumatic emotional effect of going through all of that. He should have taken it easy on them. Well, no. Why? He already told them what was going to happen. They're going to kill me. They're going to crucify me. And on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. And he expected them to believe it. And it said that he walked into that room and he rebuked them for their unbelief. And I've had him do it to me, too. And you talking about having a loose rope straightened suddenly. I was like, or how can we say the slack taken out? Woo! Woo! He, uh, that's a side of him that is uh, very, very strong. And it's just as much a part of him as the sweet side of grace and mercy and kindness, let me tell you, that other side of him that expects you to believe his word is just as much a part of him, of his character and his deity, as the other side of his mercy and love and grace. He takes, he takes his word very serious, and he expects you and I to believe it. Praise God. Now, again, did I not say to you that if you would believe, that if you would believe, Believe what? Pastor Stephen, I am here today to give a declaration of faith. I believe that the Bible is the complete canon of Scripture composed of 66 books written by Jewish men inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe it's the Word of God. That's good. That's nice. That's not what he's asking for, though, in this situation of verse 40. That's not what he's wanting to get out of Martha. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, I believe. Now, Jesus, I, I want you to believe that that story in the Bible about Jonah that many of the theologians doubt. I want you to know that I believe it's true. That's nice. Yes, Jonah really did get swallowed by a large fish. Now, we'll debate about what kind of a fish that was, whether it was a whale or I don't know what it was. But we know it was uh, a large fish. Sea creature, a fish type creature swimming in the ocean, and he swallowed Jonah up and took him on quite a ride. We, we can't call it a joy ride. It wasn't that. It was a very educational tour that he went on. But my friends, that's not what he's trying to get out of Martha. Can you see? He's trying to pin her down. He wants a specific answer to the request that he's making. He doesn't want some kind of a random like, I believe that, that on the mount, that there on that mount when God gave Abram the, the, the ram, that I believe that that revelation of Jehovah Jireh is true. I believe that God's provide. Look, look, that's nice. That's nice. We're, we're, but he's not looking for Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shammah. That, that, that's not what he's after right now. Mm, mm, mm. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, believe what? That the sickness is not unto death. That's all he wants. That's all he wants. He doesn't want to know how well-versed you are. He doesn't want to know how many chapters you've memorized. All he wants to know is that you, do you believe this? I told you that if you would believe, and he's trying to pin her down on this exact thing that he's trying to squeeze out, which is what? This sickness is not unto death. 
And he works the same way wherever he goes. Look at this verse. Hold your place here. Let's go over to the Gospel of Matthew just for a moment. Matthew chapter 9, verse 28. And when he had come into the house, the blind men, okay, two blind men following him, they came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe? Well, Pastor Stephen, I, I want you to know I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the son of David. That's nice. That's nice. That's good. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a little star on your, on, your, on your study sheet. We'll give you a little lapel that says that, you, you know, that you think God is wonderful. And he is. And he is. We're, we're, not, we're not trying to belittle that. But that's not what he's after right here. This is what he's after. Do you believe that I am able to do this? To, to do what? To, to heal their eyes. To heal their eyes. He does, he's not there for those two blind men to start giving a, dis, uh, a discourse on their good theological grip of being able to exegete the Scriptures. That's, that's not what he's looking for at all. He's trying to pin them down. Do you believe what? A certain thing. That I am able to do this. Do what? Open their blinded eyes. Let's not beat around the bush. He's looking for specific faith. Now, back to our story. Back to our story. This, this thing that happened here is so powerful. The raising of Lazarus from the dead that it sent shockwaves throughout the community. Many were, many, when, that, when they saw Lazarus come out, that, that was it. They're like, <laughs> this guy is the son of God. I'm completely dedicating my life to him. I'm following him no matter what from here on out. And then you had others that saw the same miracle, and they turned around and ran off to, to tattletale on Jesus and go to the religious authorities. Oh, you wouldn't believe what he's done now. He's done raised somebody from the dead. This is not good. By the way, miracles do not bring instant conversion to everybody. You have some that no matter what God displays through mighty works, they're not going to believe. They're not going to believe. And so it's not about that. It's just about they had the opportunity. If they want to reject Christ and spend uh, their eternity in the lake of fire, that's a decision they'll make. But you know what? Others, others by the multitudes will respond. Hallelujah. And that's what we're after. Praise God. Because if Christ is lifted up, he will draw all men unto him that want him, that choose him, that desire to go after him, mm -mm, that have that, that, how can we say, a soft heart. Mm -mm. Now, Jesus is looking for the specific word. You have to understand he'll always do his part. He'll always do his part. So, step number one to the law of faith, step number one is understanding Jesus meaning by, did I not say to you? In other words, a word has to be spoken to you. That's, that's critical. Step number two is, what specifically was he referring to? And step number three is that after you've chosen to believe that, is that God's power will be released. If you will do your part on step one and two, God will always... Always, without begging, without, you know, oh, God, oh, oh, God, please do it. He'll, he'll just do it. He'll do it. 
You don't have to, you know, do a bunch of push-ups on your knuckles. You don't have to swim on your back and do it, you know, swim on your back from uh, London to uh, New York, uh, across the Atlantic. Oh, God, I'll do this. If, if you'll do this miracle, I'll swim like this. You don't need to do any of that stuff. Just work the law of faith, and God will honor. He'll honor your specific belief in his word, and you'll see the demonstration of God's power. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, we're back again in John. John 11. Praise the Lord. Let me jump right back over there. Verse 40. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Do you see? Now, we're going to go deep. Get ready. We're going to go deep on something. Do you see this Bible? This whole book, this is the Word of God. This is, in essence, the book of Did I Not Say to You. This is it right here. Did I Not Say to You. Somewhere, it's in there for you. The Did I Not Say to You. There is a Did I, did I Not Say to You in here for any and every situation of your life. There is a Did I Not Say to You for Protection for healing for wisdom for restoration, whatever it might be, it's in there somewhere. But I want you to be wise in the way that you approach the seeking of that word. Here's what many Christians have done. And it has proved consistently to not produce, not, not produce much fruit. Here's what they do. Yes, Pastor Stephen, this is the Word of God. And in there, there's a word for me. This is the book of, did I not say to you? And I know when there is a word for me. And I have a need. And I'm going to go into the Word, and I'm going to find a Scripture that lines up with that need that I have, and I'm going to claim that Scripture is mine, and I'm going to believe it, and God is obligated to do it. Be very careful in the way that you approach this. I am in no way belittling the entirety of God's Word. The beautiful Logos of God's Word from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, to the conclusion of Revelation chapter 22, and the last verse in the Bible. I'm not belittling any of, you, any of it, because it is all the Word of God. But if you just try to take something, ooh, that one looks good. Yeah, that fits my situation. I'll take that one right there. God, I'm believing. I'm believing. Ooh, this one looks good too. I'll take that one. God, I'm believing. I'm believing. Based upon these scriptures, I believe it. I believe it. It's done. It's done. God's not obligated to perform that. Why? Because there is a spiritual law of faith that reveals to us it doesn't work like that. Now, you could get in a place where you maybe like, like a machine gun, you're spraying bullets, and you just happen with that spraying of bullets to hit the target. But you may also just waste a bunch of ammunition, might, might not hit anything. I would recommend a very different approach 
but an approach that is very productive. Praise God that works and that agrees, harmonizes with the laws of faith. Praise God. Now, to give you an example, I'll show this to you from the Gospel of John. John chapter 6, verse 63. Jesus said, it is the Spirit, that would be the Holy Spirit, who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words, watch this, the words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. And I agree with that completely. Now remember, though, the context. Jesus is saying, the words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Oh, good, Pastor Stephen, I'll just find any one. I'll just find any one I want, and I'll take that, and I'll claim that one. The Holy Spirit has to anoint it. If that word is not anointed by the Holy Spirit, it's just head knowledge. It's just a good word. It's, it's, it's true, 100%. It is the infallible word of God. But if you want it to work for you, God's going to have to speak it to you. He's going to have to speak it to you, and it has to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. And when the, the anointing of the Spirit is resting on it, oh, yes, it is spirit in life. That's why there can be times when you read the Bible, and honestly, you're just not getting much out of it. Oh, it's good. Yes, you, yes, you're enjoying it. It's all good, right? Good stories, beautiful stories. It blesses your heart. But it's not, you haven't really caught something that fed you. You're just having a good time. But how many of you know what it's like when maybe you've been in the presence of the Lord or you've had some good prayer time or, and you have those moments when, for whatever reason, that anointing is there and the Spirit is there, and it doesn't matter where you go. I mean, you can go to the book of Numbers. You can go to the book of Leviticus. You can read the genealogies, and it is exploding with so much life. You're like, oh, Lord, this is like a total overload. Yeah, every single thing you're looking at, it's just like, oh, my goodness, I could camp on that verse, I think, for the rest of my life and be fed by that. And you could when that anointing's there. Absolutely you could. When the Spirit of God is on that, you absolutely could. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But, my friends, you have to feed on that word that is anointed by the Spirit. And when God speaks, it will always be anointed of the Spirit. Now, I want, to, I want to press a little further with this. Here's an example. Pastor Stephen, I'm believing for longevity. I, I see in God's Word, Psalm 91, with long life will He satisfy them and show them His salvation. Mm -mm. Pastor Stephen, I claim that one. I want to live a long time. Genesis we go back to Genesis. The number of man's days shall be 120 years. No, oh, Pastor Stephen, let me underline that one. Let me highlight it with my highlighter. That one's for me, Pastor Stephen. I'm going to live to be 120 years old. Jesus, I claim your word is mine. I'm going to live to be 120, praise God. Mm -mm. Five years later, you go into the newspaper, you see the obituary, and there they are. They passed away. Didn't quite make 120. Why? Was it in the Bible? Yes. Oh, yes. But did God speak that to them? No. No. 
No. But here's the thing. And let me, let me say this before I, I share this. Oh, Jesus, this is, this is very important. We can go into the Word like, tre- like treasure hunters. I'm seeking a Word. I'm hunting. I'm hunting for a Word to help me with my situation. Here's, here's the difficulty, though. We often don't have the wisdom or the maturity or maybe even the insight, if we do have the wisdom. Sometimes we don't, always don't have the insight to ask God for the word we actually really need. Pastor's Steve, and I need a money miracle. I'm going to find a scripture that promises me a money miracle. And you just claim, claim a scripture, claim this one, claim that one. When the whole time, God wants to do something different for you. He wants you to not just get another money miracle to bail you out. He wants you to move into wisdom. Oh, so you start making wise choices and good decisions. Oh, that will fix your financial dilemma. And then you don't need another money miracle. Now you move from the place of stage of just needing miracles. Now you're walking in the blessing and you're way ahead of those days of just needing another miracle bailout. So there could be times when God as it says in Scripture, His ways are higher than ours, and He wants to do something beyond even what we're asking or in a different direction than what we're asking for because He knows that's not what you really need. That's why I want to encourage you to go into the Word, but go into the Word with a different approach. God, here it is. God, I need a Word. I'm wanting you to do something in this area of my life. And Lord, I know there's a lot of good verses that do speak to my situation. But Lord, and your infinite wisdom and understanding, Lord, as I'm in here looking, not just grabbing, not just trying to, but Lord, as I'm in here, Lord, would you speak your word to me? Would you speak it to me? Would you give me a word? Now, let me say this. When God gives it to you, don't ever forget this. As long as you live on this planet, you're going to need this. When God speaks it to you, not you just trying to, I'll take that one. Oh, that was good. I'll take that one too. I'm standing on the promises, standing on the promise. That's that's nice. That's nice. That's nice. But here's the difference. When God speaks it to you, it does two things. That you could never do by just grabbing, grabbing it, treasure hunting, treasure seeking. It does two things. Number one, it will cause the authority invested in his word to rush into your life. And that authority that rides on that word will prevail over any circumstances that would try to hold it back. It's too much, too much authority in it. Every knee will have to bow. Any opposition, it's going to eventually, even if it's there saying, we'll put up a fight, go ahead and do your best. If God spoke it, that is the highest authority. Well, you don't know what Pastor Steve, you don't know what the Supreme Court said. God's the highest court. God's word rules over all. And when God utters his decree, there's nothing anywhere, any government, any king, any president, any court that can alter it. It is the highest authority. And so when he speaks his word to you, 
two things rush in. One, the authority of God, because it rides on that word. You ready for this? <laughs> Number two, it's loaded with creative power, and when he speaks it to you, whoop, it comes into your heart, and boom, faith explodes. Why? Authority and creative power. It is the same literal power that when God spoke, not, not somebody trying to fabricate it, oh, let's create some planets. No, no. When God spoke, planets did get created. Why? Because he actually said it. He actually said it. Pastor Stephen, I believe God told me this. No, no, no. I don't want to hear that. Unless you know for sure that God said that. Don't go around always spouting off. God said this. Now, two days later. But now, hold on a minute. Now, God said this. Wait, he's changed his mind. He said, no, no, no. You haven't been praying enough. You haven't been in the Word enough. And you're Mickey Mousing around in a realm of elementary Christianity. And that, that can lead to a lot of disappointment in people because eventually all that, all that stuff plays out. God said this. God said that. And then it doesn't work out like you said. And then suddenly you realize, you know, this is not really producing. Praise God. Amen. And so you begin to realize, I've got to really hear from the Lord. Yes. And when you do hear that authority on the Word, God's authority rushes into you. The creative power of God rushes into you. It is the same power that the universe was created with. The planet that we live on, stand on, the air we breathe, the trees, the mountains, the stars, everything were created through the power of His Word. When He said it, it was created. So when, look, when He says, speaks to you, did I not say to you, He's talking to Martha, did, did I not say to you, see, she, she was just doubting it. She was doubting it. But if you believe it, if you believe it, it's going to happen. Now, Jesus is going to raise Lazarus. If anybody wants to come along for the ride or not, it don't matter. He's coming out of that tomb. He's coming out of that tomb because the Father has already given him permission. Raise him up. That's why Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. If he would have just said, come out, all the tombs would have emptied. People have been coming out. Dead people have been coming out everywhere because <laughs> he's going to release the power. And he's got the power. You better believe it. He didn't say anything unless his father okayed it. But when he heard it from father, boom, he said it. Watch out. Nothing, nothing can stop that. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! So this is the difference between A, you going and finding your own scripture and claiming it. I'm not saying there's not a place for that. But so many people do that. And th th they just do it real lightly. I'll grab this. I'll grab that. But God never spoke it to them. So the difference between you finding one or finding a scripture and God speaking it to you is the authority and the creative power. This is helping somebody who's been in the word of faith. And I love the word of faith. I'm, I'm, I've, I've got it in me. And I, I love it. I am, I am prophetic, apostolic. I'm, I'm word of faith. I cut my teeth on word of faith and all of that. And I, you know, big fan of uh, Prophet Kenneth Hagin, who's now in heaven. Charles Capps, who's now in heaven. And Charles Capps wrote a book about the creative force the creative power of words and so you had a whole bunch of word of faith people going around speaking the word speak the word yeah here's a good scripture speak that one mm -hmm. speak this speak that and they're 
There is the need. Absolutely. I'm not belittling that. There is the need to speak in harmony with what God said and not agree with negative circumstances and all that. But when it comes to speaking a specific word, and remember, that's what he's after. Jesus was working with Martha. Did I not say that if you would believe, believe what? Believe what he said previously in verse 4. That Lazarus, he, this is not for death. No, this is not the end. I'm, going, I'm taking care of this. Wow, praise God. So what is it coming back to? What he said. So that creative power is released when he says it. Whoo, praise the Lord. Mm -mm. Lord, we give you praise. Here's a law of faith. You ready for this one? God is not obligated to answer just any scripture that you select. Well, it lines up with my case. I'm not saying it doesn't. That's wonderful. But if the Spirit doesn't breathe life on that, it's just like all of the other scriptures. They're beautiful. They're wonderful. But you're going to have to get the Lord to speak to you in a way where you know that you know. And that's why. That's why when you hear the really cool testimonies, like, uh, like one lady, she, she, she was critically ill, but as she laid there on the deathbed, she had been believing, trusting, and God, because she was hanging on to the Word, she knew that healing was in the, the, the New Covenant, as she's hanging on to God, God spoke a word to, you, uh, to her and said, I'll heal you on Tuesday at one o'clock. And that's why when you hear something like that, and it's authentic, and it really does come from God, that's why she told all of, all of her friends, told the pastor, told everybody, come to my house at one o'clock on Tuesday if you want to see a miracle. Come to my house at one o'clock on Tuesday if you want to see a miracle. And the pastor, you know, oh, well, she's, oh, she's about to die. She's losing her mind. Lord, have mercy. She's, not, she, she's starting to lose her mind. And he didn't show up. And others thought she was crazy. But a few came just to see. Uh, but I tell you what, the glory of God filled that room exactly at one o'clock on Tuesday. And she was completely healed. Cancer totally gone, got up off the deathbed, uh, jumping, shouting, dancing, uh, you know, uh, got, you know, ready to go get some food and eat and stuff like that, and lived the rest of her life out. Decades left for her to live the rest of her life out. How did that happen, Pastor Stephen? Because God said on Tuesday at one o'clock, I'll heal you. Mm -mm. Makes all the difference in the world when the Holy Spirit anoints the word. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Woo! What does, what does this bring us to, Pastor Stephen? Well, let me conclude by saying this. If you will take the time to take your, your notepad and a pen and a Bible, not one on your smartphone or your iPad, a real Bible. If you'll take your time to do that and go before the Lord and be patient, it may take a few days. It could take a couple of weeks and say, Lord, I'd really like for you to do this in my life. And Lord, I'm sure you've noticed that I actually have a need in my life in this area. But Lord, I, it would just mean so much to me if you would speak directly to me concerning this situation. And if you just open your heart to the Lord, say, now, Lord, I, I, I know your will. And I could go in here and grab some scriptures, but 
But, oh, God, you know everything. And maybe there's some things I'm not aware of that and maybe I could even ask inaccurately because, you know, I'm, I'm human. But, Lord, I come before you and I do ask that you would give me your word concerning this situation. Lord, what do you have to say about it? Mm-mm. And if you'll just draw near to the Lord and seek God in prayer, wait on the Lord. Maybe you'll feel out of the spirit to go through some scriptures or things like that. But if you'll just stay before the Lord, he will speak. The God that we serve is alive. He does talk. He does communicate. And he can get it over to you in an unmistakable way that, trust me, you'll never forget. And you'll know. When God speaks to you, you'll, you'll know. Why? Two things rush in that are writing on that word, authority and creative power. And when it hits you, whoo, then you can come out of your prayer closet and then you can say, the Lord has spoken. Hmm. Praise God. And you'll also realize that when it happens like that, that's not happening just every other day where you're jumping out of the closet. God said this. God said that. God said this. When it's real, you realize, whoo, I paid a price for that one. Wow. I had to wait. I had to pray. I had to get myself quiet before the Lord. I had to go before the Lord multiple times and spend time with him. But he finally spoke. He has finally spoken. And when he's spoken, just believe. That's all you have to do. Believe. He'll trust me. He'll always, he'll always do his part and perform what he promised. Mm-mm-mm. Father, I pray for your people that they move past any stage of impatience. For those, particularly the Christians that are watching, who have in their soul they have fabricated words where they're just running with everything that comes and. Not understanding that all it takes is one word. That David took Goliath down with one stone. All they need is one word. One authentic word. So, Father, let them get to know you in this way. Let them draw near to you. And they are your sheep. And they certainly hear the voice of Christ, their shepherd. So we thank you, Father God, that your Holy Spirit is the voice of of God. He's the worker in the Trinity, in the deity, and he's on earth and he works and he speaks and he conveys your heart to us. So father, we thank you for a very clear, specific, specific word. And when it comes, you can fully expect, oh God, for us to believe it. And I thank you, Father, that when you speak to that person that's watching right now, they're going to know you have spoken. And I believe that they'll take you at your word and grab it and wrap their faith around it and walk with it and carry that promise. And it will surely come to pass. Father, we thank you for the laws of faith. You have created natural laws and spiritual laws. And the world and the universe operates by them. Father, help us to never work against them or to presume that we know everything about them. But help us to walk in the light that we have. And we thank you for good application of these spiritual truths. Thank you, Father. 
In Jesus' name, amen. If you will really, my friends, if you're really drawn near to the Lord, he will speak to you about that situation. He will speak to you about it. Wow. And when, trust me, when he says he'll do it, if you will just walk with him and believe him, he will 100% do it for you. Praise God. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. Now, if you're watching today's program, I want you to understand Christ loves you. If you don't know Christ, Jesus, the Savior of the world, as your own personal Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit right now is working upon your heart, convicting you, and revealing Christ to you in a very real way. He's real. God is real, and you know He is, because he's, he's working with your heart right now. And you know that you're not in the right place with God. The Lord would like to, He would like to wash all of your sins away, and give you a new start in life, and give you His new life. And you cannot reach heaven without Him. Jesus is the mediator. He's the go-between, the in-between God and sinful man, sinful man that is separated from a holy God because of our sins. But he's able to fix that problem. He's the bridge right now. Cross over the bridge, come into eternal life right now. Pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but you died on the cross to save sinners like me. Jesus, I give you my life. Come into my heart. Wash all of my sins away. Give me your eternal life. Jesus, I now make you the Lord and Savior of my life. From this day forward, step into my life. Lead me and guide me. I belong to you. You are my Lord and Savior. In your name I pray. Amen. And amen. Christ has heard your prayer. He has answered your prayer with a resounding yes. You now belong to him. Welcome to the family of God. Praise the Lord. Let us all together as a internet church with church members all around America, all around the world. Let's take holy communion together. And even if it's, this is not your online internet home church, you're still welcome to take communion with us just the same because we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are in the same body together, the body of Christ. So grab some grape juice, grab some unleavened bread. Hallelujah. And let's pray over it together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the bread, the juice. We set it apart as holy through this prayer right now. We consecrate it. We thank you. This is the body and the blood of Christ, our Savior. It's under the form of bread and juice, but it is now the body and blood of Christ. Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you for a living word coming to us concerning the specific request that we're asking of you. We thank you that you would respond. We thank you. That in advance we say, we believe. Praise God. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive now the body of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. 
We ask that you would forgive us for any time we've missed it, any sin we've made, perhaps any time we've presumed that you would do something, trying to claim a scripture in a sense, but yet you were wanting to do something differently, but we were trying to force something, maybe prematurely, maybe out of your will, and it was something that you could not perform because it was not a living word that we were trying to take hold of. So, Father, we ask for forgiveness. We thank you for the blood of Christ, which washes all of our sins away. And we ask that you would forgive us of all of our sins. We claim your word that is a living word, that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. Thank you, O God. And we thank you also that you give us a clean conscience because the blood of Christ washes so pure and clean. Thank you, Father. That is 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Thank you, Father, for the cleansing blood of Jesus. And we pray that you would lead us away from temptation, that you would deliver us from the evil one, that you would keep us strong in your word, strong in the promise, and in the promises that you have spoken to us. Father, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the blood of Christ together. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, my friends, this means that you have some time to spend with the Lord. And the Lord is a great conversationalist. He loves conversation. So stay with him. Be patient. Remember, you can't force God to say anything. But if you will keep seeking him, he will talk. Maybe he'll answer during your prayer time. Maybe he'll answer when you're driving down the road thinking of something totally else. Maybe he'll answer you while you're shopping for groceries. Regardless, if you'll seek him, there'll come that moment when he will speak to you. And if he ever does speak to you because you have been pursuing the Lord and humbly seeking a word, when he does speak, trust me, it's loaded with power, authority, and take him at his word and watch that promise come to pass. Thank you for watching today. I look forward to seeing you back next time. Stay blessed. Bye-bye.